This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host on The Real Deal. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. It looks like one of those scenes of an old building being purposely dynamited and blown. When we are successful, I'm just a patsy. And we will be. We're ready to make, uh, to come to the microphone, so we'll listen up. A new world order. So my name is Robbie Parker. It might have appeared that way, but from my close-up inspection, there's no evidence of a plane having crashed anywhere near the Pentagon. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Live from the Media Broadcasting Center. 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 In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman, for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. And according to the atomic clock, we're getting closer and closer to the moment when we might all go together when we go, every hot and tot and every Eskimo. It's stunning, stunning, stunning. Jim Fetzer here, your host on The Raw Deal. We begin with a Virginia Amtrak crash, a train carrying GOP representatives who had voted to release the FISA memo, hit a truck out in an obscure area where no truck ought to have been as I see it. This appears to have been a deliberate sabotage. Posting from Phoenix Rising site by Phoenix confirmed the congressmen aboard the train were supposed to be in session, not supposed to be headed to a resort that doubles as a doomsday continuity of government facility. According to the, adding to the credibility of the theory they were fleeing a threat is the fact they had family members aboard the train, including children who should have been at school. Overwhelmingly probable, they received death threats over the memo and were heading to a safe place when they were stopped by a staged escort. They even had a helicopter accompaniment. Fortunately, only the front wheels went off the track, not the whole train. It didn't teeter over. Get a garbage truck or a dump truck going 70 miles an hour. Uh, this is a bit much, in my opinion, suggests we may be descending into true third world status where we wind up attempting to kill the other members of the, the members of the opposition party. Equally disturbing, Bill Crystal, one of the leading neocons in the USA, key supporter of the Project for a New American Century, get the United States engaged in all those wars in the Middle East, tweeted about the crash at 11.07 a.m. But the crash didn't take place until 11.20, so there's something problematic there. We have another 
tweet from Chuck Shermer. Awful to hear of my Republican colleagues' train accident. We are praying for the safety of everyone on the train and in the truck. 921. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but it does create a presumption there may have been funny business advanced knowledge uh, without declaring that to be the case. I just say those tweets are disturbing. Now, we're leading up to the FISA memo, of course, and its release and the reaction there, too, which have been rather stunning. Leak war explaining five new developments in the never-ending memo investigation Firestone. This was on February 1st by Town Hall, which is a very good, uh, responsible website. Uh, Here's the good faith efforts of Guy Benson uh, to keep us abreast of what's going on. Top DOJ and FBI officials have asked House Republicans and the president not to release the memo. Both FBI Director Christopher Wray last heard from forcing ex-Deputy Director Andrew McCain out over yet undisclosed Inspector General findings about the Bureau's Hillary probe, and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who appointed Mueller and is overseeing the special counsel investigation, say the memorandum written by Republicans in the House Intelligence Committee paints an inaccurate picture of the relevant issues. It makes crucial material omissions. Now, this doesn't appear to be the case to me, but we're certainly going to discuss it in some detail. Second, Trump reportedly demanded to know if a, a Deputy Attorney General Rosen, Rosenstein was on his team. Obviously, Trump expects loyalty from his own appointees, but he doesn't seem to fully understand or respect the independence of the judiciary. He, he, any moves toward that Trump may be making toward undercutting Mueller's chain of command or legitimacy may be cause for concern, but it's pretty obvious when you look at the memo and what's been going on here that it's been the FBI and the Department of Justice who have been at fault as opposed to Donald Trump, who was complaining about being spied upon way back when no one would take him seriously, and yet it turns out to have been that his sense of what was going on was 100% accurate at the time. Third, ranking House Intel Democrat Adam Schiff says the White House is reviewing a doctored memo. But it turns out this was trivial. Uh, The the committee uh, minority is now complaining about minor edits to the memo, including grammatical fixes and two edits requested by the FBI and by the minority themselves. So this is complete nonsense by Adam Schiff, where the Schiff is hitting the fan. This guy is bad news any way you cut it. It's almost as though Schiff is desperate and disingenuous, raising stinks over alterations, some of which he himself had requested. That said, some of uh, Noon's tactics are reportedly frustrating a number of fellow Republicans, including the retiring Trey Gowdy, a former federal prosecutor who prizes the law and proper procedure and for whom I hope there's going to be a role as a special prosecutor to investigate these very issues. Trey Gowdy, Jason Chaffetz, two of the best members of Congress, and, and I hate to see them out. I, I do hope Trey Gowdy will be involved. Fourth, Peter Strozek reportedly had a hand in FBI Director 
James Comey's call to formally notify Congress that the Bureau was reopening the Clinton investigation late October 2016. But the fact is, there's a lot involving Strozek, and it's all bad. As far as I can see, it was he who watered down Comey's statement that Hillary was, you know, uh, grossly negligent in handling her email, which would have satisfied the standard for prosecution down to what it, 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 watered down to extremely reckless, which didn't meet the standard. That was Strozik's uh, call, where Strozik and his girlfriend uh, have been, you know, very, very deeply involved in working against the Donald and his administration. Here's a nice summary from Tyler Durden on uh, the FISA memo from Zero, Zero Hedge. Uh, update, the just-released FISA memo accuses senior officials at the DOJ of inappropriately using biased opposition research into then-candidate Trump to obtain surveillance warrants. No surprise there. According to the document, information from the so-called Steele dossier was essential to the acquisition of surveillance warrants on Trump campaign aide Carter Page. Uh, 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 it claims that then uh, FBI Director Andrew McCabe told the committee in December that without the information from the Steele dossier, no surveillance warrants would have been sought. Alleges the political origin of the dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton and the DNC were not disclosed to the clandestine court that signed off on the warrant request. There's more here. But I have, indeed, an even more extensive discussion, 16 bombshells in the Nunes memo, the media don't want you to know, which seems to me to be a very, very good summary. Here here are 16 things they don't want you to know. Number one, the so-called Russian dossier, the creation of Fusion GPS and former British spy Christopher Steele, is a political document, namely opposition research created for the DNC and Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. Two, using what it knew was opposition research paid for by the Clinton campaign, in October of 2016, the FBI and DOJ obtained a FISA warrant from the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to install a wiretap to spy on Hillary Clinton's opponent, the Trump campaign, specifically Carter Page. This spying would last for a year. Three should be noted that the FISA court was set up to stop foreign terrorists. The fact that the FBI and DOJ would use this court not only to wiretap an American, but to monitor a presidential campaign defies belief. Why Obama's FBI and DOJ use this court as opposed to a normal court, however, is obvious. As you will see below a normal court, uh, probably, I would say almost certainly, would have denied the application. Four. We're still in the summer of 2016. Obama's Department of Justice had already opened a counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign. The fact that nothing from that month's-old partisan investigation was used to obtain the Trump uh, wiretap is revealing, meaning because they didn't turn up anything. Five, according to the Nunes memo, an essential part of the FISA application was a Steele dossier which again is a partisan political document created for the Clinton campaign. Six, so essential was this partisan dossier, Andrew McKay, the disgraced former deputy director of the FBI, admitted in December that no surveillance warrant would have been sought without the dossier. Seven, 
not only did the FBI knowingly use a document from a partisan campaign to obtain a FISA warrant to spy on the competing campaign, the FBI knew the dossier was mostly salacious and unverified. We know this because this crazy former FBI director, James Comey, told us so in June of 2017. Remember, this includes the infamous golden shower scene where Trump is alleged to have hired two prostitutes to pee on a bed that, that Barack and Michelle Obama had slept on. Does anyone ponder where after the prostitutes had peed on the bed, Melania and the Donald would have slept? I mean, this is stupid on its face. Uh, uh, Trump, of course, has reacted, uh, explaining that he's a germaphobe. He, he's got an acute anxiety about germs. I mean, wh- what could be, you know... But more inappropriate and unlikely from a germaphobe than to have a couple of prostitutes uh, pee on a bed. I mean, it's ridiculous. Eight, according to the Nunes memo, Steele told demoted Department of Justice official Bruce Orr, he was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected and was passionate about him not being president. That, that's Christopher Steele, the author. Nine, Orr, who was part of the FBI's anti-Trump Russian investigation, was not only friendly with Steele, but Orr's own wife worked at Fusion GPS doing opposition research, working on the dossier against Trump for the Clinton campaign. Ten, despite A, knowing the dossier was opposition research paid for by the Clinton campaign, B, knowing the dossier was salacious and unverified, C, knowing Steele was desperate to destroy Trump, D, knowing the breathtaking conflict of interest in having an investigator's own wife working on the dossier, the FBI still went to the FISA court to obtain permission to spy on Hillary Clinton's opponent. Gee, I wonder whose side they were supporting. 11, in order to obtain a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign, all of the conflicts of interest above were withheld from the FISA court and indefensible and possibly illegal lie of omission. 12. Even worse, in order to legitimize a warrant request based on a piece of partisan opposition research they knew was salacious and unverified, the FBI and DOJ used a media report to bolster the findings in the phony dossier. The FBI and DOJ told the court the media report was independent verification of the dossier, but that was not true. And according to the Nunes memo, the FBI and DOJ knew this was not true, The truth is the phony dossier was a source of the media report that was used to confirm it as though it were independent. How bad is that? Thirteen. Also hidden from the FISA court was the fact that the FBI obtained Steele as a source, but had to fire him in October of 2016 when, in a bid to use his phony dossier to derail the Trump campaign, he leaked his information to the far-left Mother Jones. Fourteen. Although the FBI and DOJ were willing participants in pushing a salacious and unverified narrative against a presidential candidate, primarily through media leaks, this was all hidden from congressional investigators. To begin with, for months, while under oath, Comey said he did not know where the dossier came from, meaning from the Clinton campaign, which he in fact knew, as the Wall Street Journal has explained. Quote, we also know the FBI wasn't straight with Congress as it hid most of these facts from investigators 
in a briefing on the dossier in January 2017. The FBI did not tell Congress about Mr. Steele's connection to the Clinton campaign, and the House had to issue subpoenas for Fusion Bank records to discover the truth. Nor did the FBI tell investigators that it continued receiving information from Mr. Steele in Fusion even after it had terminated him. The memo says the Bureau's intermediary was Justice Department official Bruce Orr, whose wife incredibly worked for Fusion. Fifteen, all of this dishonesty occurred under Comey, the man our media now hold up as a living saint. A man so desperate to destroy Trump, he not only oversaw some of the those committing the above abuses, he leaked potential classified information to the news media in order to see a special prosecutor appointed against Trump, which is pal, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein immediately did. And may I add, this last point is of particularly crucial nature because it means the whole investigation is tainted. It was not properly founded. There was not a specific established crime for the special uh, investigator, the special counsel to investigate. That was a violation of DOJ guidelines. I mean, you're talking about a conspiracy here between Rod Rosenstein and, and Andrew McCabe and James Comey and Bruce Orr, Bruce Orr's wife, uh, uh, all to trash Trump, to undermine his campaign. I mean, this is outrageous. When you understand the full dimensions, it makes you ready to barf. Adam Schiff acknowledges this was dated on the 31st uh, of January. FISA memo could lead to firings of Mueller and Rosenstein for precisely the reasons I have just articulated. It was an improper appointment. Trey Gowdy's called him out on this. I hope Trey Gowdy winds up being the special prosecutor here. No. So where do things now stand? Posted on February 5th. Media meltdown. Conspiracy is no longer theory. Ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, looked nervous while panicking over the release of the memo authored by committee chair Devin Nunes. Long last yesterday saw the public declassified release of the infamous memo authored by the Republican chairman of the House Intel Committee, Representative Devin Nunes, Republican of California. As the anticipation was building up over the past week of the Democratic Party, along with the anti-Trump U.S. mainstream media, descended into a state of sheer panic, saying and trying anything in order to suppress the damning information contained in the document. The contents of the memo were certainly shocking and outlined many disturbing facts with regard to the FBI's abuse of surveillance and their illegitimate FISA court warrant, which was used to investigate alleged Trump-Russia collusion, despite having no probable cause nor any evidence that any such collusion ever happened over the last year and a half. The White House says it is confident this memo vindicates the president, as well as validates his previous statements that the Russian probe has been an expensive partisan witch hunt, no doubt about it whatsoever. I mean, bear in mind, uh, Ray McGovern, Bill Benny from veteran intelligence professionals for sanity verified that the download of the DNC emails had come directly from the server at a rate too rapid to be distant Russian hacking, and it was done in the eastern time zone. 
We have the two investigative journalists who followed the Hillary campaign, published in their book Shattered, 2017, that the Russian hacking meme was made up out of whole hog by Robbie Mook and John Podesta within 24 hours of Hillary's concession speech to distract attention from the incompetent campaign they had run, to, to divert from the contents of the WikiLeaks memos that led directly to Pizzagate, where John Podesta himself is pedophile-in-chief, and to obfuscate that it is Hillary who has been in collusion with the Russians up to no good by selling off 20% of U.S. uranium reserves in return for a $145 million contribution to the Clinton uh, Foundation through the Canadian company Uranium One, which required the approval of none other than President Barack Obama. So if if Ethel Rosenberg and her husband received the electric chair for sharing atomic secrets with the then Soviet Union, if Julius and Ethel Rosenberg received the electric chair for sharing then uh, atomic secret, atomic secrets with the then Soviet Union. What did Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama deserve for selling off 20% of U.S. uranium reserves to Russia? Think about it. Detailed description of the memo confirms beyond any doubt the fraudulent nature that conspiracy had occurred here. Uh, I mean, that's just collusion between two or more individuals to bring about an illegal end. This was clearly going on here, uh, established without any doubt that this was a conspiracy. We have a Texas representative by the name of Louis Gomer calling on Comey McCabe and Orr to be jailed after defrauding the FISA court with a fake Trump dossier. Natural News, this is edited by Mike Adams, whom I admire. Following Friday's release of the infamous scandal-filled FISA memo, it didn't take long for a member of Congress to call for the obvious. Legal action against those involved in misrepresenting the fake Trump dossier is a legitimate piece of intelligence before the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court so the Obama administration could spy on Donald Trump's campaign. Representative Louis Gohmert, Himself a former judge told the Daily Caller, another good source, that former FBI Director James Comey, former Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, Justice Department official Bruce Orr, should face prison for using what they knew to be a political document to convince a FISA court to let them spy on the campaign of someone they decided should not be president as though they had the right to deprive the American people of their own choice through the democratic process which, of course, the DNC had grossly warped by sabotaging Bernie's campaign, which is what had led South Rich, their IT guy, to share a treasure trove of emails with Craig Murray, who was UK ambassador to Uzbekistan and the, the, the rector of the University of Dundee with Julian Assange, which he then published, where both Murray and uh, Assange have confirmed they know the leaker, and he was not Russian, where Seth Rich paid for his act of altruism, at really technically super arrogation, going beyond the call of duty with his life. This is absolutely and completely outrageous. We now have the claim 
uh, the, well, the observation that the FISA judge who issued the warrant to spy on Carter Page because of a Yahoo News article in a phony dossier, uh, uh, Rudolf Contreras, who was appointed to the court by Barack Hussein Obama, and that Yahoo News article was the one that was based upon based upon the dossier itself, uh, completely fraudulent, will be right back. Did you know that Sandy Hook was a staged event where no children died? That the school had been closed since 2008 and there were no children there? Thirteen experts, including six Ph.D., current or retired college professors, proved that it was a two-day FEMA drill presented to the public as a real event. We even have the manual. There was a rehearsal on the 13th going live on the 14th. Some participants became confused and put up donation sites the day before. Even the shooter was recorded as dying before the event. You have been played by Eric Holder and Barack Obama. Now Hillary wants to extend the deception by posing as a champion of Sandy Hook to confiscate your guns. Don't let yourself be played. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. If you want to get a grip on just what fake news is, then I'd suggest you get the book, Nobody Died in Boston, at PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. Let me just remind you that Revolution Radio is listener-supported, and I have suggested before and will suggest again the best way for you to make a contribution to support Revolution Radio is simply by subscribing to the archives. Five bucks a month, 60 bucks a year. That's, that's a modest contribution, and it gives you access to all the shows you can download. For example, Shell Games with Scott Bennett, which is in the same time slot, but on the uh, Wednesday and Friday, whereas the raw deal is Tuesday and Thursday and a host of other terrific shows. Just go to Studio B, the schedule, Studio A, the schedule. You have access to them all. You can download them to your heart's content. That's my suggestion. That's my recommendation. If you can find a way to do that, I think five bucks a month is just fantastic, and it'll enable Revolution Radio to maintain its schedule and bring you the shows you so much enjoy hearing. Continuing, the House committee has voted unanimously to release a Democratic rebuttal to the, to the Nunes memoranda, where they're going to do all they can to artfully explain away the bare-bones truths that the Nunes memo reflects. I must tell you, time and time again, I've encountered how easy it is to lie and how complicated it can be to make it out to be you know, to explain the truth. In this case, the situation is a, the opposite. The truth is actually rather simple, but they're going to give an elaborate explanation that's supposed to convince you that the bare bones aren't, in fact, what really happened, even though it's obvious that's how it played out. We have Deputy Director Andrew McCabe stepping down abruptly. The heat was getting too great for him in the kitchen. Uh, this occurred already on the, on the 30th of January. Uh, Kurt Gowdy uh, had reported about him in the past that the State Department had aided and vetted Clinton email cover-up. Everyone who worked at State knew Hillary was shaking down donors for cash. They were hauling cash bribes into the building in bales. They hosted gala events for drug traffickers on the elite 17th floor. 
this guy is the right guy to be sorting it out. Adam Schiff, Russia. I mean, if you want to hear something absurd, this is it. Adam Schiff, Russia promoted Second Amendment ads so Americans would kill each other. Can you believe this? I mean, sometimes people say some of the most stupid things one could contemplate. Take, for instance, Representative Adam Schiff, Democratic California's comments last week. This is published February 6th. February 6th. That sounds like it's uh, even uh, today. Uh, uh, published just today. Uh, regarding ads promoted during the 2016 election, and none of the ones I've seen uh, shed any reason to believe that Russia was attempting to influence the election. When you look at the Facebook ads, for example, Schiff actually believes the Russians like the Second Amendment so much that they were using it as anti-Hillary Clinton ads in order for Americans to be, quote, doing nothing but killing each other every day. Obviously, Schiff is trying to target the Second Amendment himself by pitting himself against Russia as if Russia was behind such a fantastic piece of propaganda. This is so he can promote his own agenda, illegal communist-style gun confiscation. I mean, it's outrageous. We need our guns more than ever. It should be obvious to protect ourselves against the encroachment of a tyrannical government which showing no respect for the law whatsoever or even our major law enforcement agencies, the FBI and the Department of Justice, are thoroughly corrupt. Under those circumstances, in my opinion, the Second Amendment becomes even more vital to preserve freedom and liberty in the USA. As I've observed on more than one occasion, when when they come for our guns, the time has come to use them. FBI director, even Mueller, even helped cover up the Florida 9-11 probe. He, he, uh, he, he, he was uh, in uh, an agency white paper uh, announcing a news story about the abrupt departure of uh, two Saudis from their Sarasota home about two weeks before 9-11 and left behind their cars, clothes, furniture, jewelry, and other per- personal items. They, it was created to brief the FBI director concerning their investigation of this address uh, where Mueller was covering up what was going on here and where I need to remind everyone of what happened on the day of 9-11. All commercial flights were grounded, private flights were grounded, but the Bush-Cheney administration used military planes to fly members of the Saudi Arabian royal family back to Saudi Arabia. You think about that. We know, of course, Saudi Arabia was involved in funding 9-11. We know 15 of the 19 alleged hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. But, as I shall explain momentarily, they weren't the key principles in bringing it about. No, that fell to the CIA, to the USA, and Israel. The Dow dropped 660 six points after the FISA memo release, which appears to have been uh, intended to send a signal uh, from the deep state that, you know, that they have control. I mean, after all, that is supposed to be the sign of the devil, the number of the devil, 666. We've since had a more substantial drop in the stock market, which from all indications is caused by billionaires selling off stock to embarrass Trump by having a drop in the market when his during his 
term so far, we've had the highest stock market uh, attainment in, in U.S. economic history. It doesn't look as though these uh, sell-offs by billionaires are going to have a permanent effect, and they were only, in my opinion, intended to pre- create an embarrassment in relation to a State of the Union address about which much more will be said here. Christopher Steele gave the FBI a second da- dossier from a notorious Clinton hatch- hatchet man, it's been reported. Uh, former British by Christopher Steele gave the FBI a copy of a second dossier on Donald Trump. This one put together by a Democratic political operative who's been referred to as a hatchet man for the Clinton family. The Guardian reported that Steele passed on the so-called Shearer memo compiled by one Cody Shearer to the FBI in October 2016. Steele, who is a former MI6 officer, had been given the document by an American contact who's unnamed in the Guardian report. According to the newspaper, Steele told the FBI he could not verify the information in the memo, but he said he gave the Bureau a copy because some of the information in it matched up with what he had reported in his own dossier. It's unclear, however, whether Scherer memo was also used to justify the surveillance warrant. It contained allegations that Trump was compromised in 2013 after engaging with prostitutes in a Moscow hotel. That makes it sound as though he was having sex with them, when he obviously would not do that. Steele's first memo, the dated June 20, 2016, alleged that Kremlin operatives had video recordings of Trump with prostitutes, that the video footage was being used to blackmail him. This was all just poppycock, made up, complete nonsense. Sure, as a long history with the Clintons' involvement in investigating Trump is likely to raise questions about his dossier's impartiality, put it mildly. He's a hatchet man for Hillary, not a sophisticated intel operative, said North Carolina Representative Mark Meadows of, of Sure in response to the Guardian's report. Meadows, a Republican who's pressed the FBI Justice Department for information regarding the Steele dossier, questioned the origins of the information. Did it come from Hillary Clinton, he asked? During the Bill Clinton sex scandals of the 1990s, Shearer's allegedly worked with private investigator Terry Lenzer to dig into the histories of some of the women who had accused Clinton of sexual misconduct. That's Bill, the big dog, for which he was, of course, guilty. During the Clinton sex scandals of the 90s, Shearer allegedly worked with private investigator and reportedly investigated by the State Department Inspector General for misrepresenting himself as a U.S. government official. This is really messy, but what you'd expect from the Clintons who are sleazy to the ultimate degree. Health Ranger uh, Mike Adams, again, mainstream media is a part of the biggest scandal in U.S. history. Mike Mike Adams uh, begins a podcast by revealing what we already know. The mainstream media is, is lying to us. But then he observes we should prepare to have our minds blown. The house of cards of the FBI scandal, the corrupt deep state FBI run by criminal-minded individuals, this house of cards is crumbling by the day. As though we needed any further confirmation about the extent to which the deep state controls the media, where the, the CIA began infiltrating it in the 1950s, what is known as Operation Mockingbird, 
hence reference to the Mockingbird Media, where in 1975, William Colby, then its director, testified to Congress that the agency already owned everyone of significance in the media, which is why the alternative media has come such a threat, because they don't control the alternative media, why they're doing their best to suppress it, of which I have the latest example today, based upon my own personal experience, of which I shall inform you by and by. WikiLeaks exposes how the Council on Foreign Relations controls almost all mainstream media. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations is as deep state as it gets. Uh, It's no secret that over the last four decades, mainstream media has been consolidated from dozens of competing companies to only six. Hundreds of channels, websites, news outlets, newspapers, and magazines, making up 90% of all media, is controlled by very few companies. But giving Americans an illusion of choice when they think there are so many channels, not realizing how few companies control them. While six control almost everything the Western world consumes in regard to news, sounds like a sinister arrangement already. The Swiss Propaganda Research Center has released information that shows the situation is even worse. They were able to tie all of these media companies to a single organization, the Council on Foreign Relations. For those who may be unaware, the Council on Foreign Relations is a primary member of the circle of Washington think tanks promoting endless war. As former Army Major Todd Pierce describes, this group acts as primary provocateurs, using psychological suggestiveness to create a false narrative of danger from some foreign entity with the objective being to create paranoia within the U.S. population, that it is under imminent threat of attack or takeover. Notice how often that's exactly what we get from the false flag events, including, of course, 9-11. We were given the impression that a foreign nation was attacking us, but it was far removed from the truth, bore no resemblance to the facts of the matter, where Hitler and his allies recognized the power of the big lie. Ordinary people commit small lies, so they're used to those, but they could not imagine lies of the magnitude with which we are dealing here. The narratives created by the Council on Foreign Relations and its cohorts is picked up by their secondary communicators, also known as the mainstream media, who push it on the populace with no analysis or questioning. When looking at the chart from this uh, uh, the, the the Swiss propaganda uh, research. The reach of this single organization is so vast that it's no mystery as to how these elite psychopaths guide Americans into accepting endless war at the expense of their mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. This is where the Donald, with his campaign of America First, getting us out of the Middle East, made such a difference, looked so promising. This is a campaign promise we must hold him to. He must conform to that promise to get us out of endless wars in the Middle East and reallocate the resources we've been squandering there on behalf of Israel to benefit the American people. Here's a new update dated the 3rd, again from Zero Hedge. Nunes, the FISA memos just phase one, now targeting the State Department in phase two. Devin Nunes, who's an upright guy, said that the investigation leading up to the four-page FISA memo released on Friday was only phase one, and that the House Intelligence Committee is currently in the middle of investigating the State Department 
over their involvement in surveillance abuses. We're in the middle of what I call phase two of our investigation, which involves other departments, specifically the State Department, and some of the involvement they have had in this. That investigation is ongoing, and we continue work toward finding answers and asking the right questions to get to the bottom of exactly what the State Department was up to in terms of this Russia investigation. I turned now to Trump's first State of the Union address. He challenged Democrats on Tuesday night, and it seems so long ago, but it was just so very recent, just a week ago. Challenged Democrats on Tuesday nights to join him in overhauling immigration policies and in rebuilding the nation's infrastructure in his first State of the Union address. Speaking to a joint session of Congress, he hailed what he called the extraordinary success of his administration's first year and largely steered clear of nationalist rhetoric, political attacks, and confrontational tone that have been his calling cards, both as candidate and commander-in-chief. Tonight, I call upon all of us to set aside our differences, to seek out common ground, and to summon the unity we need to deliver for the people, he said. Uh, This is our new American moment. There's never been a better time to start living the American dream. Ten State of the Union addresses tend to be healthy doses of touting accomplishment and laundry lists of proposals. Uh, Trump did address some policy, but not a lot of new, vowing to lower prescription drug prices, keep Guantanamo open, uh, no doubt for a new uh, assortment of those who are going to be arrested if we read the tea leaves right and are going to require incarceration for their treason to the republic. A dangling infrastructure is something both parties could work on, looking to rebuild America's nuclear weapons and flirting with cutting off foreign aid to countries who don't move in lockstep with the United States. That turns out to be very important, and I shall address it again in just a moment. Call for bipartisanship. I call upon all of us, set aside our differences, He seemed more relaxed, comfortable, less stilted, reading from a teleprompter this year than last when he gave an address to a joint session of Congress not long after his inauguration. There's a lot more you than me in Tuesday's speech, which is a good thing for a president. He also made a a clear calculation. He was talking past the media filter to maybe the biggest audience he'll have all year. In 2017, for example, his address to Congress drew 47.7 million viewers, more than double NBC Saturday Night Football at 20 million, CBS Big Bang at 19, and the finale for HBO's Game of Thorns, 16.5. Trump didn't talk about the Russia investigation during the speech, but he did. Uh, after the speech overheard telling the Republican he's 100% in favor of releasing it. And, of course, we know that has, in fact, come to pass uh, where the House Intelligence Committee voted along party lines to allow that to happen. Uh, uh, Fascinating. Trump polls show a majority of Americans approved of Trump's State of the Union speech, most tweets ever. The numbers are in, and Democrats aren't going to be happy about this. A majority of Americans approved of President Trump's very first State of the Union speech. In fact, the numbers are unequivocal. It was a smashing success. Look at this CBS poll conducted last night. View of speech among speech walkers approved 75%, disapproved 25%. 
from the report, three in four Americans who tuned into President Trump's State of the Union address tonight approved of the speech he gave, just a quarter disapproved. That's an incredible disparity. A president who can bring together 75% of Americans on something is truly a president who can lead. There's a, a, a cartoonish version of the State of the Union worth reviewing for its humorous elements. My fellow Americans, oh, and Democrats too, I'd like to, to start by saying you're a beautiful audience, and I'm not just saying that because Ruth Bader Ginsburg isn't here, though wow, it sure helped. And I see all you liberal gals are wearing black, and I know why I really do, because you think it's slimming. I see some dreamers here, and that's very, very good, really. It means our streets are safer for an hour or so. But seriously, I'm here to talk about our booming economy, more money for average Americans, and the arrests we'll be making here tonight for all those involved in the fake Russian scandal. Wow. I haven't seen that many Democrats charge a door since Black Friday at Walmart. Millennia's uh, appearance at the State of the Union drew a great deal of attention as well. She was described as wearing a white pantsuit and blouse, but it wasn't white. It was ivory. It was beautiful. She has a great sense of style. I would compare her sense of fashion and aura of glamour as comparable only to that of Jacqueline Kennedy, whom we all so much admired. She also received attention for not showing up with the president, but traveling independently, even though the motorcade from the White House to the Capitol is just a few minutes. Uh, But instead, they traveled in separate cars for a very independent first lady. Angry over Israel, Trump tells Congress to give aid only to friends of America. Now, this seems to me to be very important to focus upon. Washington, still sore over international opposition to his recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. President Trump pressed Congress in his first State of the Union on Tuesday to restrict foreign aid to friends of America. Trump's remarks, which drew loud applause in the packed House of Representative Chambers, for most Republican and stone-faced silence for most Democrats could put the United States at odds with key allies who criticize his decision. The president tied his call to action uh, 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 on 22 December, a U.N. General Assembly vote where 128 countries voted in favor of a non-binding resolution calling on Washington to reverse its recognition of Jerusalem. He said some of those nations had collectively received $20 billion in U.S. assistance in 2016. That's why tonight I'm asking Congress to pass legislation to help ensure American foreign assistance dollars always serve American interests and only go to friends of America, not enemies of America. But that's profoundly troubling. Uh, actually, when Trump made that move, I, I condemned it. I damned him for moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. It takes uh, the United States out of any future negotiation that shows we're not even-handed and impartial. On the other hand, there's uh, the possibility that it could have been a brilliant stroke for the following reason. It gets the United States out of serving the role of as a negotiator and forces the countries to deal with themselves directly. That might be a plus. Maybe it'll have benefits, but listen to this. When you talk about our friends... We're so supposed to benefit the nation that received by far the greatest uh, lion's share of foreign aid is Israel. 
And I have to raise the question, is Israel a friend of the United States? In 1967, at the height of the Arab-Israeli Six Days War, the Israeli Air Force launched an unprovoked attack on the USS Liberty, a U.S. Navy spy ship that was monitoring the conflict from the safety of international waters in the Mediterranean. Israeli fighter jets hit the vessel with the vessel with rockets, cannon fire, and napalm before three Israeli torpedo boats moved in to launch a second, more devastating attack. Although she did not sink, the Liberty was badly damaged. Thirty-four U.S. servicemen and civilian analysts were killed. Another 171 were wounded. <coughs> Later, Israel apologized for what it claimed to be a tragic case of mistaken identity. It said it had believed the ship to be a hostile Egyptian naval vessel. U.S. President Lyndon Johnson was privately furious, but publicly the White House chose not to challenge the word of its closest Mideast ally and accepted that the attack had been a catastrophic accident. No, that's false on all counts. Uh, We have uh, the communications between the Israeli pilots and their command and control center explaining that it was flying an American flag, and yet they were directed to proceed with the attack Lyndon Johnson was furious, not over the attack, but that the ship had not been sunk. In fact, when the American Mediterranean commander sent U.S. fighter jets to to defend the Liberty, Johnson directed that they be recalled. He was deeply involved in this corrupt and treasonous act with, with Israel to blame the attack on Egypt to draw the United States into the war on the side of Israel, Moshe Dayan, brilliant general that he was, didn't need any help, and he cleaned things up within six days without the aid of the United States. But it was a dastardly act. And then on 9-11, let me remind you the grotesque role of Israel on 9-11. I have done a two-hour video review, 9-11, who is responsible, you can find on the Brian Rue channel. R-U-H-E, just put in Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, comma, 9-11. You'll have it at your fingertips. Uh, I make many observations about the Israeli role here, including that they ran the security service at the three airports from which the flights, the four flights originated, I-C-T-S, the Israeli firm. I, I also talk about the dancing Israelis, five Israelis who observed at Liberty State Park celebrating while they were filming the destruction of the World Trade Center. They would subsequently be arrested, and they'd have passports and the residue of explosives and money and box cutters in their van, which had a portrait of a plane striking the Twin Towers. They would be held for 44 days until an assistant and then then Attorney General John Ashcroft directed their release. They went back to Israel. Three of them went on Israeli TV and explained how they were there to document the destruction of the trade towers. The individual who directed their reliefs was Michael Chertoff, a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. The, the, there were some 200 Israeli so-called art students here who appear to have been Mossad agents. They were involved in activities such as the following, planning jammers on buildings to block Port Authority dispatchers and first responder radios, planning explosives on the New Jersey side of the George Washington Bridge where the cables are anchored in order to collapse a bridge exploding a truck in the Lincoln Tunnel, exploding a truck in the Holland Tunnel, parking trucks with demolition devices in specific parking areas of the Twin Towers. Fortunately, they were intercepted and kept from carrying out those activities. 
which would have isolated the island of Manhattan and been much more devastating than what took place. I'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if we really did go to the moon? If Paul McCartney died in 1966 and was replaced by an even better musician? Did you know that Saddam Hussein died in a B-1 bomber strike on 7 April 2003 and was replaced by one of his doubles who was put on trial and hanged in his place? Or that Osama bin Laden died in Afghanistan on 15 December 2001 and was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim traditions? That the raid in Pakistan was faked? There is more, including four chapters about the end of World War II, which prove that events we have been taught were very different than we have been told. Don't let yourself be played. Check out, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. Hi, this is Gary King. If you're interested in the book, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, with the moon landing, Paul McCartney, Osama bin Laden, and the hoax of the century that is unspeakable, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. <laughs> ah. I love it. I love it. Now, just bear in mind that the devastation that was inflicted upon the United States on 9 11 was not the responsibility or the consequence of actions by Islamic terrorists. They had nothing to do with it. The terrorists were in from Israel and the United States. This was an operation conducted by the CIA with the complicity of the neocons of the Department of Defense to ensure in particular that the U.S. Air Force stood down and didn't offer any uh, defense. But then again, you see the planes actually were being faked. It's a long story. You want to dig into it, which is why I have explained it many places, including on that uh, two-hour overview. But where the United States gave, gave Israel hundreds of Davy Crockett warheads, these were for tactical nuclear warheads for a recoilless rifle that were taken back to Israel and refined, to be used on 9-11, then brought back into the United States and, and arranged in a sophisticated fashion to, to, to blow apart the buildings in, in, in every direction from the top down, convert them into billions of cubic yards of very fine dust, which, by the way, is a signature of the use of nuclear weapons, converting materials into very fine dust, which was uh, distributed over five different states and to have nothing in the footprint when it was over. In other words, they were completely uh, uh, destroyed in a fashion utterly inconsistent with, a, with a, a collapse. There was no collapse here. Look at the devastation. It's just absolutely staggering how it took place. Wesley Clark would eventually share with us that the plan was to take out the governments of seven countries in the next five years, beginning with Iraq and Libya, ending with Syria and Iran. If it hasn't played out in Syria because of the intervention of Russia and Iran on behalf of the government of Syria, where Bashir al-Assad is, by the way, the democratically elected and very popular president of that nation, it's not for lack of trying. Uh, it, it, embarrassing, 
I published about it many places, including in Iran Review as long ago as September 13, 2012. Mossad played a crucial role in the 9-11 attacks, but especially in the book, America Nuked on 9-11, compliments of the CIA, the neocons, and the DOD, and the Mossad. If you want a, a very a thorough discussion of uh, how it was done, who was responsible, and why, which you're not going to get from any other source, meaning in particular uh, architects and engineers. Yes, they talk about Building 7, but that's easy. That's an obvious case. Uh, they don't explain how the Twin Towers were destroyed. They're still talking about nanothermite, which was hopelessly inadequate to perform the task, and they will not address who was responsible and why. Judy Wood and Dews, uh, again, she wants to advance a theory of how it was done, but she isn't willing to take into account the evidence from the U.S. geological dust studies at 31, 35 locations in Manhattan that turned out an array of elements that in their quantity and correlation were indicative of a nuclear attack, some of which only exist in radioactive forms, barium, strontium, tritium, lithium, lanthanum, and many others. Uh, plus, Judy Wood, again, will not talk about who was responsible and why. There's really only one group, namely those scholars for 9-11 Truth, uh, not the breakaway scholars for truth and justice headed by Steve Jones. He's the, he's the guru of nanothermite, which has a one-thirteenth the explosive force of dynamite. Why would you use nanothermite when dynamite is 13 times more powerful? It's a fantasy. It's all explained here in this book, which I recommend you consider from Moonrock Books. If you want to understand 9-11, and in my opinion, every American has to understand 9-11, you want to read this book. Now, there are a number of events going on abroad that are of enormous significance. In particular, U.S. and Turkey's troops are headed for a military showdown in Syria. Uh, two days after, this is from now January 30th, from Zero Hedge, one of the best websites out there, Tyler Durden, one of the most brilliant reporters. Two days after we reported that Turkey valiantly demanded that U.S. forces vacate military bases in the Syrian district of Manvi, whereas Turkey's foreign minister, Melet Kavusuglu, also said that Ankara, the capital of Turkey, is calling upon the U.S. to cease any and all support to Syrian Kurdish forces and militias. Not surprisingly, the U.S. refused. And on Monday, a top American general said U.S. troops will not pull out from the northern Syrian city of Manbud, rebuffing Ankara demands to withdraw from the city and risking a potential confrontation between two NATO allies. Speaking on CNN, General Joseph Motel, head of the United States Central Command, said that withdrawing U.S. forces from the strategically important city is, quote, not something we are looking into. Last week, Turkish Turkish troops crossed into Syria in a push to drive U.S.-backed Kurds out of Afrin as part of the Turkish offensive, which is grotesquely codenamed Operation Olive Branch, since, of course, extending an olive branch is, is regarded historically as a, as a, a, pe- a gesture of peace, 
President Erdogan warned that the offensive could soon target terrorists in Manbij, some 100 kilometers east of Afrin. This is happening. With the olive branch operation, we have once again thwarted the game of those sneaky forces whose interests in the region are different, Erdogan said in a speech to provincial leaders in Ankara last week. Starting in Manbij, we will continue to thwart their game. But not if the U.S. is still there, unless for the first time in history we're about to witness war between two NATO members. And the U.S. apparently has no intention of moving. Colonel Ryan Dillon, spokesperson for the U.S.-led coalition, told Turkish media on Sunday that American forces would continue to support their Kurdish allies despite Erdogan's threats. Turkey knows where our forces are in Manbij and what they are doing there and why they are there to prevent any kind of escalation between the groups who are in the area, Dylan told Rudah TV. The coalition will continue to support our Syrian democratic forces in the fight against ISIS. We have said this all along and have said this while the Kurdish elements of the SDF, Syrian Defense Force, will provide them equipment as necessary to defense ISIS. However, in an apparent miscommunication, U.S. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster said a day earlier that the United States would no longer provide weapons to YPG fighters or to the Democratic Union Party, PYD, sending mixed messages of Washington's relationship with the Kurds. Crazy night in Syria. Watch as al-Qaeda allows Turkish army through its territory in Syria, but Russia bombs oncoming Turkish forces January 30th. Idlib, Syria. Last night, a Turkish military convoy entered northern Syria and were allowed to travel through Syrian-controlled territory by the al-Qaeda affiliate al-Nusra Front. This was captured on a video taken by an al-Nusra militant himself. Al-Nusra, of course, being one of the parties we support, which is recorded by the United Nations Registered as a terrorist organization. Once again, we find the United States on the wrong side. And, of course, you know... How can we be allowed with al-Qaeda when we claimed officially that al-Qaeda attacked the United States on 9-11? But, of course, al-Qaeda had nothing to do with it. Of the 19 alleged terrorist hijackers, 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Osama bin Laden himself declared that he had and al-Qaeda had nothing to do with it, that it was contrary to the tenets of the Koran to murder innocent women and children, but that there appeared to be a government within the government that wanted to blame this on Muslims. No less an authority than William Jefferson Clinton has observed there's a government within the government and that he did not control it. What Americans are not told is that Osama bin Laden was our man in Afghanistan. He was instrumental in transferring Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen, which they used to shoot down Soviet Union helicopters and planes to drive them out of Afghanistan. He was actually uh, an official of the CIA, Colonel Tim Osman, and uh, uh, an agency representative visited him in a hospital in Dubai where he was receiving treatment for his medical maladies, including uh, kidney uh, dysfunction shortly before his death in Afghanistan on 15 December 2001, where he is buried in an unmarked grave 
uh, in accordance with Muslim tradition. There were local obituaries. CNN and Fox News reported on December 26th that Osama had died. It would take the New York Times six months to get around to it in an article entitled The Death of Bin Ladenism, explaining in the first two paragraphs that Osama had apparently died in December uh, in Afghanistan. But, of course, Barack Obama found it politically convenient to resurrect him and, and kill him again. Uh, so the second death of Osama bin Laden was a completely contrived, fabricated event. As the, as the founder of Scholars, I was publishing articles about the use of, uh, you know, fake Obadan audio tapes, fake, fake Osamas appearing in videotapes. But it was convenient to uh, Barack Obama to, uh, to send a, a fabricated attack to the compound in Pakistan. So where no one in the local area had ever seen Osama bin Laden, where the man in the photograph with the TV clicker was the owner of the compound, decidedly not Osama bin Laden. It's just horrific how much the United States government has been propped up by lies, deceit, and deception. Uh, the U.S. should leave Manbij in Syria. Turkey will return it to its true owners, Erdogan warned today, 6 February, today. Turkish President Recep Tip Erdogan has warned the U.S. once again to withdraw from the Syrian city of Manbij, saying the Turkish forces aim to return the city to its true owners. Speaking at a meeting of his ruling AK party in Parliament Tuesday, Erdogan said that countless terrorists had been rendered inactive by the recent Turkish offensive in Afrin. Vowing that the operation would continue, he mocked Washington's criticism. When are you going to finish with us asking the question, when did you finish your operations in Afghanistan? When did you finish your operations in Iraq? It's been 18 years, Erwin said, quoted by Huria. He described the American military presence in Syria as opportunistic, saying that Washington has calculations against Turkey, Iran, and maybe Russia, now that the Islamic State, IS, formerly ISIS, has been largely defeated. The Russians' top anchors explain why a big war in Ukraine is imminent. So not only do we have the risk of a war between Turkey and the U.S. and the Middle East, but between Russia and Ukraine, which would undoubtedly draw in the, the United States, it would appear. All this because Trump was forced into approving new arms to the Ukraine, including the Javelin anti-tank missiles, where Russian military strategy is very much dependent on tank warfare, and they regard this as an unacceptable decision. It was a terrible mistake. Russia is now deploying more nuclear-capable missiles to Kaliningrad, as reported by Antiwar.com. NATO official terms claim a very serious matter, February 5th, yesterday. On Monday, Lithuania's president, Dalia Grybaukaitz, told reporters that Russia is deploying more nuclear-capable Isklander missiles to the exclave of Kaliningrad, that the weapons are a threat to half of all European countries. NATO Deputy Secretary Rose Gottenmoller told reporters that the Lithuanian accusation was a very serious matter. Russian officials confirmed the deployment, saying it was a response to the U.S. deployment of weapons into the same reason. 
B of 9K720 uh, Iskander is a short-range ballistic missile, which means the half of Europe claim isn't really true. In practice, Iskander missiles in Kaliningrad can hit the Baltic, state, the Baltic states and Poland. Such tit-for-tat deployments have been ongoing in the Baltics for years, and the U.S.-led NATO buildup in this area has come with repeated warnings from Russia that they would retaliate and Esclanders in particular were a retaliatory deployment for U.S. missile defense systems where, may I observe, that the United States has been abrogating the solemn treatments treaties it entered into with the then-Soviet Union over its disillusion negotiated between Mikhail Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan by Lee Wanta, where we ag- agreed that we wouldn't encroach one inch into the new, new the eastern uh, states that would become sovereign nations, that we wouldn't seek to convert them into NATO nations, that we would not move weapons on the border of Russia, all of which we have grossly abrogated and violated where the word of the United States, even in matters as solemn as treaties, which under the Constitution have the same status under law as the Constitution itself, has become worthless. The word of the United States in international affairs is worth nothing. A major, major Russian bank CEO issued a dire warning that anti-Russian sanctions would mean war, that the U.S. should remove the ambassador from Moscow and replace him. The U.S. has threatened a new round of anti-Russian sanctions scheduled to be announced on January 29th, but it turned out that Trump decided not to do that. Russians at large don't trust the class of rich and oligarchs believing their loyalties lie with the West, where their money is stashed, to a degree, that's correct, but more and more proof is arriving uh, uh, is arriving daily. The opposite may be true in many cases. Some examples are jaw-dropping. For example, the CEO of Russia's major bank, VTB, Andrei Kostkin, shocked Russians yesterday by completely out-of-character dire warnings to the U.S. and EU not to play with fire. Kostin warned during the Davos Economic Forum that a new round of sanctions and continuing economic political pressure against Russia would equal a declaration of war. In that case, he said, Russia should remove her ambassador from Washington and the U.S. ambassador has no business bathing in cold water in Moscow. A reference to the U.S. ambassador's epiphany ice dip. Instead, he should go home. This is really stunning stuff. the U.S., of course, has been messing with Ukraine big time following Zbigniew Brzezinski's uh, g- gambit described in the, the, the grand chessboard that Ukraine was a breadbasket of Russia, that by separating Ukraine it would greatly weaken the bear, where the United States invested $5 billion uh, through Victoria Nuland, as sec- Assistant Secretary of State, to bring instability in Ukraine, to drive out the democratically elected president and replace him with a stooge of the West, where George Soros contributed $500 million of its own. This was a, an atrocity taking place. Uh, uh, you, you remember, by the way, this article continues that the U.S. has had big designs on turning Crimea into a mega base, but the Russians made sure it didn't happen. Barring that, of course, you know, uh, they annexed the Ukraine in accordance with international law. But barring that, the U.S. still pursues plans to build a naval base on the Black Sea's Ukrainian territory. Uh, but Russia will never allow that to happen. 
uh, I'm predicting again that Russia won't allow a U.S. base to be built this close to the Crimean uh, base of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. They simply won't happen. The base will never be completed, or alternatively, when it is completed, the U.S. will not be able to use it. How this will be done, we shall leave unsaid, uh, but it's very, very serious what's going on here. Trump refuses to sanction Russia, spurring speculation about Putin's influence. Once again, by taking a rational action, by not punishing uh, Russia with sanctions that would increase the gravity of the relationship with Russia, uh, he's done the right thing for which he's being criticized. The Trump administration has refused to implement new sanctions on the Russian defense sector as mandated by Congress's countering Americans' in adversaries through Sanctions Act which was passed with an overwhelming majority, reluctantly signed by Trump. Vaguely worded enough, however, that Trump uh, appears to have concluded it need not actually be implemented. The question of whether U.S. sanctions on Russia are further sanctions or wise or justified or even leavable can be argued, but Trump's actions in this case, written by a a left-wing proponent, by the way, are supposed to be flat-footed. On the contrary, I think they were wise decisions uh, that the U.S. already has sanctioned on Russia. The new law sought to increase them, uh, 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 but it was a a mistake to pass the law. I'm glad Trump isn't enforcing it. We also have a development in relation to Pakistan that further weakens U.S. foreign policy. Pakistan is pivoting to purchase weapons from China and Russia after Trump halts military aid. Trump's decision to ring in the new year by simultaneously demonizing Pakistan on Twitter has mostly backfired. In an interview with the Financial Times, Pakistan's defense minister uh, has said Pakistan is expanding its relationship with Russia and China's relations with Washington deteriorate following the suspension of over $2 billion in military aid to Islamabad. Imran Khan, the president, said his government is undergoing a regional recalibration of Pakistan's foreign and security policy, which implies Pakistani defense forces will be buying military weapons from Russia and China rather than the United States. The fact that we have recalibrated our way toward better relations with Russia, deepening our relationship with China, is a response to what the Americans have been doing, Khan stated. His comments to the Financial Times came three weeks after Beijing announced it would be building a second more military base near the Gwadar port in the Pakistan province of Balochistan. Plans called for the Jawan base to be a joint naval and air facility for Chinese forces located a short distance up the coast from the Chinese-built commercial port facility at Gadwar, Pakistan. Uh, this is part, by the way, of an expansion of China toward the, the West, the Great Silk Road, which is going to include building a new base in, in uh, Iran as well. Tensions between the U.S. and Pakistan are at their worst point ever in 70 years of friendship. Contrast that Pakistan has many similar goals with Washington, but lately the focus has been on areas of divergence. We've already bought some Russian helicopters in the past three years. This is what we call the regional recalibration. In fact, they were using the F-16 Fighting Falcon uh, made by General Dynamics, but Islamabad has not received spare parts from Washington for the past two years. 
we're using our own ingenuity and other sources to keep the fleet up in the air, he said. It has been very difficult, considering Washington's neglect in sending parts for Pakistan's F-16s, Khan said. He's open for dialogue with Russia on the Sukhoi Su-35 fighter jet. About nine days after Trump's tweet, he declared military and intelligence cooperation with the United States would be suspended. Another disaster for U.S. foreign policy. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. We have to understand that China is emerging as the world's global power, that the new Silk Road is a variety of ways in which they're going to get commerce from China to the rest of the world, particularly in the West, that it's going to some of the routes are going to go through Mongolia and China, others directly through Central and West Asia, others through Pakistan, through Indochina, and where most strikingly, uh, they're going to use uh, sea routes as well, including this new port in in Pakistan at Gwadar, but it's going to be uh, tied together with a, a port uh, at Chabahar in Iran so that they will be transporting goods to have a, a commercial line that extends through Iran into uh, into uh, the Asian states and Russia and Europe in particular where the world's economic giant is is emerging. The United States is on the wane. The the loss of the petrodollar is particularly striking, where the United States has simply mismanaged its relations with other nations to bring about a situation where they no longer have confidence in the United States, where the, the petrodollar is being abandoned, where the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund are being displaced by BRICS, and by a new Swiss, Swift, uh, Swift system for trade uh, uh, that has been developed by the other nations of the world as an alternative to the failed Western system, which was so purely exploitative and built on imperialism and colonialism. I, I mean, really, the, the United States is, is a crumbling empire. Uh, China, Russia, Iran, the future of the world lies with them. So in, in calculating and thinking about world affairs, you, you want to keep in mind 
that the, the influence of the West, and in particular of the United States, is receding. We have squandered our role in the world. We have betrayed too many nations. We have overextended our resources. We have violated the precepts of the Founding Fathers by becoming involved in foreign entanglements. It's happened to other empires before, including the Roman which wound up involved in so many foreign expeditions at great distance that it became too too expensive, prohibitively expensive to support, and it it cost the national treasury, just as our ventures, ill-fated ventures in the Middle East are costing American national treasury, which is why it's so absolutely vital for Donald Trump to adhere to his promise to bring us back. Uh, you know, to to get us out of the Middle East, to end those wars. He he talked during the campaign about how we'd squandered some five and a half trillion dollars and it had done no good for the United States, about which he was 100% correct. It's been fighting wars on behalf of Israel, uh, and we need to reallocate our resources to put America first. Now, it's very interesting for those who doubt the role of the deep state, uh, uh, where the you know Council on Foreign Relations is an excellent example and how much control is exercised o- over them by the CIA and other entities of the deep state, where uh, Operation Mockingbird involved infesting the media with agents uh, and whereby 1975, William Colby was able to tell Congress that they, the agency owned everyone of significance in the media. Uh, today, they're doing everything they can to control the alternative media. I found this witness just today, for example. I spent uh, 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 the last five days in, in Oregon, in Washington State. I, I flew out Friday. Uh, and came back Tuesday uh, uh, on 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 Friday. Uh, uh, I I gave a presentation on fa- false flags on five different locations, which I re- replicated in Seattle. Uh, the very first version to be put up, and there will be several available, was by uh, Don Gron, who hosts the Truth Versus News. A program that I do with Scott Bennett and Michael J. Anderson, which we record every Monday, except I was unavailable this Monday, actually being in route back to to Oregon, Wisconsin, my home uh, Monday, not Tuesday, which of course is today, so that I could do these shows today. He put he put it up on YouTube. Uh, I, I became in, interested in, the, in an uh, exchange going on, a nation of change about Bernie's statement on the Nunes memo. What is the president afraid of? While seeking to protect American politics from further Russian intrusions, Bernie Sanders referred to the memo as a political stunt. But it's anything but a political stunt. I mean, I commented... My initial comment, when Bernie covers for the deep state when its operations have been exposed so blatantly and instead suggested the fraudulent Russian hacking scenario as merit, he has lost his credibility. I've been thinking about him in 2020, but this offers proof that he is not on top of the crimes of the FBI and the Department of Justice 
even though they were protecting Hillary, who sabotaged his campaign. Not good. Well, this led to a fairly extensive discussion about uh, uh, about uh, Bernie and, and the deep state, where one commentator was even denying there was such a thing as the deep state. So I was laying out, you know, what all of you, I believe, understand so well, but he did not. Uh, he being uh, Alan Shaw by name, about how the uh, they have you know sabotaged Bernie's campaign, uh, giving thirteen uh, primaries to Hillary that Bernie had legitimately won, uh, a host of other evidence about what had happened here, uh, the exposure of all of these events that the Russian hacking was a, you know, a fabricated by Robbie Mook and John Podesta, how the book shattered, exposed it uh, to investigative journalists. But I thought it was also a great occasion, you know, to illustrate how much the deep state has been out to deceive us. So I wrote, give me your thoughts about Five cases in which the deep state has attempted to pull the wool over our eyes. Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Charlottesville, Las Vegas, and needless to add, JFK. I presented this talk in Seattle Sunday. So, you know, what what Don Grant had put up, super special Professor James Fetzer shares truths in Seattle on YouTube. I invited him to let me know what you think I have wrong. Now, the the video ran something over an hour and a half. I I talked about the latest about Sandy Hook, about how we've been able to prove how the kids were fake using photographs of older kids while they were younger. Now, Wolfgang Halbig has new photographs now of eight of the Sandy Hook girls, and you can compare them with the photographs of them when they were kids, How, how Wolfgang has three of the kids, Sandy Hook kids, in affidavits declaring they want to have their wives back, that they want to come out, and that Wolfgang is preparing to bring them out. Uh, How he has other photographs of multiplicities of the kids. Uh, I explained how they've been going into, and I believe it's Lenny Posner who's been doing this. This is the guy who claims to be the father of Noah, who is the most famous of the Sandy Hook kids for not only having died in Newtown on 14 December 2012, but dying again in Pakistan on 16 December 2014, where Lenny sent Kelly Watt a fake, you know, a death certificate when Kelly, during 100 hours of conversation, told him she didn't believe a word he said, didn't believe he had a son, didn't believe he died, sent her a death certificate that turned out to be a fabrication, the bottom half of a real death certificate, the top half of a fake, uh, where obviously if he really had a son who really had died, he would have been able to send a real death certificate, not a fake one. And, and where he has, it appears, been coming on to my, into my blog on my, you know, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com to take down photographs of where you can see Noah Posner turning into Michael Vabner, his older stepbrother, including a gif. That's particularly stunning, where I compared the two photographs taken by Shannon Hicks, the Newtown Bee photographer editor, uh, where one was sent around the world, appearing to be a, 
a policewoman escorting 15 kids uh, to safety in the emergency, but where there turned out to be a second taken earlier, where you can see a whole lot of parents just standing around with their arms and folded, their hands in their pockets, no state of distress whatsoever, while the policewoman rearranges the kids to get a better shot and replaces a little girl in a pink sweater and a short skirt at the front of the line with a little boy who's taller in a dark sweater and blue jeans to get a better shot. Where in the second of the two photographs, the one which was taken earlier, between little boy number one and boy number two, you can see several parents in the background just casually looking on, to which I refer as lounging at the, at the massacre. I mean, all this is so absurd. I show, you know, uh, other proof we have. This was part about Sandy Hook, about the Boston bombing. I explained how an amicus curiae brief has been submitted to the First Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in relation to the conviction of Zoker Saranova, who was wrongly convicted of complicity in the crime uh, where uh, we know that they were photoshopped in because the, their aunt, Marette, had sent me proof after proof that Tamerlan had a beard, but when they photoshopped the boys in, they photoshopped him in clean-shaven, where, you know, she sent me a photo of him lying in bed with his cat. He's got a beard. Uh, they're working out at a, at a gym shortly before the bombing. He's got a beard where on the day of the event, he was contacted by a friend, relieved to find they were nowhere in the vicinity. They had dinner together. He had a beard, where there's surveillance tape from a convenience store where Zoker's inside Tamerlan out. He's got a beard, where he's arrested in Watertown, put in a police vehicle. He's got a beard, where I could identify him, but it was good that his his mother and his aunt identified him, where he then turns up dead with a huge gash in his side. He's got a beard. They're claiming Zoker killed him accidentally or otherwise, but how could that happen once he was taken into police custody? We actually have a witness who reported watching the police drive over him three times with a black SUV, which appears to have been uh, Tamerlan's own vehicle. The fact is, however, they made a blunder when they photoshopped him in. Namely, while the FBI investigation reported that the two backpacks that exploded were black nylon backpacks, uh, and even in the indictment for Zoker for trial, neither of them is wearing a black nylon backpack. Zoker is wearing a silver backpack. In fact, I long since had discussed with John Remington Grand, a retired professor of law, uh, uh, what was the most important evidence in his mind, it's that the backpacks don't match, which meant, he said, there wasn't even probable cause for an arrest, much less than an indictment or a conviction at trial. Well, he submitted an amicus curiae brief, as I explain here during my talk, to the First Circuit Court of Appeals, which they have accepted. It was submitted on behalf of three of U.S. citizens of whom I am the first cited that the backpacks don't match, meaning that was an improper conviction. He has told me this is the first time in the history of American jurisprudence that an appeals court has accepted an amicus curiae brief and that it will lead now inevitably to a reversal of the conviction and no doubt expose the whole thing was an elaborate charade. Just as the girls coming out at Sandy Hook is going to expose that was an elaborate charade uh, where... 
Uh, YouTube wasted no time taking it down for violent or graphic content, but there is no violent or graphic content, only proof that the Sandy Hook kids were fabricated out of photographs of older children when they were younger. That's as violent and graphic as it gets. For an overview of Sandy Hook, try Sandy Hook update. Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins. The deep state strikes back, which is up at BitChute. We're going to get this up at BitChute, too. I mean, it's a disgrace that they won't allow the public to learn the truth about these events. Here we have uh, the, the statement that YouTube posted. This video has been removed for violating YouTube's policy on violent or graphic content. I guarantee you there is no violent or graphic content. Here I commented just a little over an hour ago before coming on the show. What could be more powerful proof of the deep state than YouTube taking down a video of my dissection of its efforts to pull the wool over the eyes of the public with regard to Sandy Hook, the Boston Marathon, Charlottesville, Las Vegas, and JFK, where I present new and important proof of how the kids were fabricated at Sandy Hook out of photos of older kids when they were younger, that the brothers were framed in Boston that two drivers plus two cars plus two takes equals totally fake in Charlottesville, that Las Vegas was a movie with a pre-recorded soundtrack, special visual effects, and a crowd seated with crisis actors, where the obituaries are for persons who died in different states or on different dates or for different causes of death, and where autopsy photographs of JFK are not even of the body of JFK. Here's another stab at making my lecture available to the public, but bear in mind, the deep state doesn't want you to see this. Don Grant himself put it up at the Seattle community uh, TV station where he records our shows in part one and part two. Now, if you go to Nation of Change, Uh, Bernie's statement on the Nunes memo, what is the president afraid of? You can review my whole discussion exchange with his fellow Alan Shaw, and you can actually get the links to where it's available uh, on the slides at at Seattle Community uh, Station. It's also available on uh, Facebook because it was live streamed at the time, but I don't have the link here in my hands. It will be uploaded to BitChute, and there it cannot be taken down by YouTube. And I just want you to understand the enormity of the disgrace that these social media are running cover for the deep state. They're not allowing very clear expositions of the evidence that refutes uh, the official accounts of Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Charlottesville, uh, Las Vegas and even JFK, uh, uh, where the latest proof we have about the president are simply stunning because we show definitively that Lee Oswald was in the doorway of the Texas School Book Depository when the motorcade passed by. Uh, therefore, he cannot not only have been the lone demented gunman, he cannot have been one of the shooters that the, the photograph put on the cover of Life magazine to incriminate him in the minds of most Americans where he's holding the man liquor carcano with which he's alleged to have shot the president, a pistol belt with a revolver with which he's alleged to have shot Officer J.D. Tippett, holding two communist newspapers, a worker and the militant are supposed to combine motive and means 
where we already knew he had opportunity by virtue of being at the school book depository from which he's alleged to have shot the president. It's all total nonsense. It's all rubbish. It's all trash. Front to you compliments of your very own government now being enforced by YouTube. This is infuriating. There's no justification for it. It's un-American. It's undemocratic. YouTube has become an instrument of deceit and deception, uh, an instrument of the CIA, an instrument of undermining democracy, freedom of inquiry, freedom of speech. It is nauseating in the extreme. And where I explain here that in uh, you know relation to uh, Charlottesville, there was an investigation conducted by a, a, a former federal attorney uh, uh, named Heapfeed, but he makes a mess of it. He he has the wrong driver. The twenty-year-old, uh, you know, alleged a schizophrenic on psych, psych, anti-psychotic medication, wears heavy prescription glasses, was not the driver. It was this thirty-two-year-old military veteran who commands a battalion in Ohio. So he didn't get the driver right. He claims that Heather Heyer was killed in the car crash. But Mona Alexis Presley has been doing such brilliant work on the obituaries from Las Vegas and showing time after time after time they were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or for different causes of death. Another snow job where Las Vegas was a movie. I mean, when I talk about a pre-recorded soundtrack, we've proven it on my the most recent show here. Remember, when we had the call-ins, when I had Mona on the show, Don Cromer called in. He's a video uh, audio expert, and he was pointing out one more proof that he already had determined it was of too high quality to have been bona fide. But where he found that they had started running the audio track, but it was too soft so that you can hear in the distance as boop, 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 as though it were the machine gun. But there's no response in the audience because it's only a sound effect that they had to turn up the audio until it was loud enough for the crisis actors to hear and then react on cue, which is a smoking gun, where nobody died. The three closest hospitals reported no gunshot victims. I lay it out so very thoroughly, so very clearly, the deep state is petrified that you're going to learn the truth, that Las Vegas, too, was another scam, just as was Charlottesville, just as was the Boston bombing, just as was Sandy Hook, and even JFK, one monstrous fraud and deception after another. The deep state doesn't want you to know. Read the exchange on Nation of Change. Read the exchange of Nation of Change. And watch the video, watch it in the two-part, or watch it on another. When I we come back next show, I'll have more links for you where to gain access to this presentation. It really worked out well. We had a wonderful view, venue, uh, 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 a room that would hold 100 people. We had about 60 there. There's some simply excellent quality videos. The one that's up now at the Seattle community is probably the least. Uh, impressive visually, but still it conveys the, the raw data, the raw information. It captures the slides where you can see the evidence for yourself. The deep state is trying to pull the wool over your eyes again and again and again and again. Go to uh, 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 the nation of change 
Bernie's statement on the Nunes memo, what is the president afraid of? And I'm sorry to say, you know, I'm a huge fan of Bernie Sanders. I thought that since his foreign policy overlapped with the Donalds, you know, they were on a par there. He wanted to bring our boys home. Uh, the Donald has to be held to his promise. And Dur- Bernie's domestic policy, much more in accord with mine, I'm all for uh, uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. We should have a single payer. We should have Medic- Medicare for all. It was designed to expand to everyone. Bernie would have promoted that. The Donald thought about it, but hasn't. He's got to move in that direction, too, if he's do- to do the American people the good he can do. But Bernie seems to have folded. He believes the Russian hacking meme has merit. He doesn't understand what's going on. That tells me Bernie Sanders can be played. Bernie Sanders can be played. I can no longer take seriously Bernie Sanders as a candidate for 2020. Read his statement about the Nunes memo, given all you've learned from me here today, and you'll understand why. He's not on top of the crimes of the FBI and the Department of Justice, even though they were protecting Hillary. But when Hillary and the DNC sabotage his own campaign, he doesn't have competence to deal with deceit and deception and corruption at this level. Very disappointing. But that's my forced conclusion. Go to Nation of Change. Check it out. Uh, and, and then after you review the program, the presentation I made in Seattle in one version or another, give me your thoughts. If you think there's anything I have wrong, and remember, my research is all collaborative. I deal with dozens and dozens of people in research on all of these events. They have a great record. Check out the books at moonrockbooks.com if you want to go back for more on Sandy Hook or the Boston bombing or Charlottesville. I'm working on the book on Las Vegas, the new book on JFK, the new book on 9-11. It's all there at moonrockbooks.com. And bear in mind, if you can find a way to support Revolution Radio, think about it. Subscribe to the archives. Thanks to all of you for being here today. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com.